and welcome to this special edition of The Common Room. Uh, this is our one year anniversary. Uh, and for those of you not in Australia, and even maybe some of you in Australia, uh, you may not realize that the reason we initially started this podcast was for National Science Week, which is rapidly approaching once again. Uh, and yeah, a year on and we're still here, which I think is the first uh, thing of note to mention. So well done, everybody. Uh, we're still doing it. Woo. We did it. Yay! We created a thing and kept going for a whole year Woohoo! <laughs> yeah Thank you, so on the back. i think one of the interesting trivia that people might not realize about the show is that this wasn't actually a covid podcast like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't all oh, covid's happening we should start a podcast the wheels were in motion well before lockdown or any notion of of covid really uh going on and so I think that's possibly one of the reasons we're still going because it wasn't a distraction. It was something we had planned for quite a while. Um, I mean, it was a bonus distraction. It helped that it existed yeah. for sure. And it probably helps still 100%. that it exists. But I don't think, yeah, I think it, it was, I think all of us were a bit like, dang it, we're also putting out a podcast, but like, not like a COVID podcast, but like a podcast podcast. Mm-hmm. We were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> I mean, I think it helps that obviously um, it's such a coherent and focused idea. A lot of people just started a podcast and it, it was about life. <laughs> life uh, in lockdown. As, yeah, or, or just like, oh, the movies that I own and, and, and stuff, you know, stuff where it's just like... Yeah, but it, that's the first lesson that any content producer learns, right? You have to have a plan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You can't just... We've all learned that lesson at one point or another. Yeah, you can't just yeah. make stuff. You have to make stuff with a purpose. Have all a key of us communication sitting here, lesson. yeah, all of us sitting here have made stuff that we have no idea what we wanted to do with it. So we still have stuff like sitting on a hard drive somewhere. I'm like, yep, eventually. Oh my I'll gosh, do that yes, thing. right? Yeah, yeah, it's a lesson yeah. you learn <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, so congrats, us. Uh, honestly, it's been so much more fun than even I imagined it would. I think uh, going in, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, I've been a an avid consumer of sort of podcast performances, if you like. It's really hard to, to give it a good term. Actual plays, I suppose, but, you know, basically podcast performances of TTRPGs, uh, you know, for a long time. And I'd wanted to be involved in one for quite a while, but I, I really didn't know how much fun I would have uh, because for me, it was a it was a very new journey doing voice acting. Um, so this is a little trivia about me that a lot of people actually probably don't know. And that when I was a kid, I was absolutely <laughs> obsessed with Parkinson, the 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 English um, TV Michael show Parkinson, host. right? Michael, yeah, Michael Parkinson, Parkinson, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he he was like his his way of being able to like draw information from people was fascinating to me and i i my earliest form of role play was actually like pretending to like host a talk show in my bedroom like i even had yes. like intro music on my keyboard and stuff yes. that explains so much and it's yeah <laughs> it's it's really been a, like interviewing people has been a passion of mine for a long time and in fact one of my earlier podcasts that I used to produce, um, I actually created that podcast because I wanted a legit reason to approach people to interview them because otherwise it, you're just some weirdo 
But if you're a weirdo with a podcast, all of a sudden... And a microphone. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I'm um, a weirdo with a podcast and an audience. Come on. Yeah. It, but it, it's funny what the difference is, right? Like, if you're just a, a listener of a podcast, you're just another listener who, you know, wants to have a conversation with a creator you admire. But if you're creating something yourself, you automatically have this kinship that, um, that, that goes a long way. And I think voice acting is kind of the next step in that journey for me. As you say, for me, it's really interesting that you say that because like I come from the opposite world, right? Like I am a theatre child from forever. I will create characters at the drop of a hat. But I was a nerd without a nerd base, if that makes sense. I <laughs> I was every flavour of nerd who understood D&D jokes but had never played a game of D&D before and now I get to have conversations with people who are not theatre people about nerdy stuff because I have a podcast about nerdy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> not not in fact because I am a nerd, which I am, but like because I'm like, oh, we can talk about oh you like DD? I am on this podcast. It's great. Tell me yeah. about your favorite what like it's my excuse to talk to people about stuff I was already nerdy about. Yeah but somehow didn't feel like a legitimate enough nerd. That's not really true, but like, you know, that legitimacy of being like, oh yes, I also do the thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about you, Joe? Because obviously this was your first foray into TTRPG nerddom, like from a D&D perspective, anyway. Yeah, it's been interesting for me. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed storytelling. It's been lots and lots of fun. I love stories. I'm a huge, like, science fiction fantasy nerd, you know, read Lord of the Rings in, like, a summer holidays when I was, like, 12, ate it all up, that kind of thing. So this has been so good um, just to, you know, tell stories and geek out with people. It's been great. How have you, I'm curious to find, how have you found it, Joe? the difference between reading stories and listening to stories to now, like, you're in a story now. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I used to I used to write stories all the time. Um, I think my parents thought that I was very, very studious when I was in year 11 and 12, but really I think I was just in my room writing fan fiction. Um, <laughs> but you know, so I, yeah, I like I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of just something I've always, always done, but now I get to do it, you know, with people who also enjoy it and, and don't think it's weird. And that's people a, listen to it and also don't think it's weird and it's great. That's a take I haven't heard before. D&D is collaborative fanfiction about yourselves. Collaborative fanfiction about your own Mary Sue. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, it's not fanfiction. It's yeah. it's making up a story. It's legitimate fiction. It's great. Yeah. I think the nice thing is, you know, with D&D, though, is that the, the whole point of it is the Mary Sue aspect, right? Like, it's it's... The whole point of it is the the getting to be the person who comes along and saves the day, um, compared to the the sort of historical context of that term, you know, which was yeah, actually has its very own sort of interesting stories as well. Uh, and I'm not going to go into it because it's actually quite a long history, but I I, I do recommend that you you check it out because yeah. originally um, that term had a a much less lesser like the connotation wasn't so negative as it is now and i yeah. I, I think the, the the origins are actually really reflective of how uh 
the fantasy and sci-fi fandom world was represented at the time and the people who were kind of the gatekeepers of it back then and, mm -hmm. and sort of uh, a result, a direct result of that, which luckily today is starting to get better. And hopefully a podcast like ours, which has, you know, good female representation is part of that as well. You know, people get to hear those voices, which I think is really important. Mm. I mean, Ben, this was your idea. This podcast was your idea on Twitter that we all went, yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Hello. <laughs> um, to be fair, what? I think you tagged us in that tweet, though. Uh, yeah, I think so. That <laughs> is, or at least if not that tweet, then like one of the associated yeah. tweets. Yeah, yeah it was like a comment or something. Maybe not the first tweet, but definitely early on. I was like, I think these three people <laughs> together on a show. Uh, these three people nerds. Part of that is because I've had, I don't think I've ever had the three of you on my previous podcast together, but definitely in like combinations of like, oh, I've had Kate and I've had Ross. Yeah, and yeah, Ross yeah. And I've had Joe and I've had. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I am a D&D &D fan from way back. Uh, and I, before DN Doctorates, I had a, another podcast, the non peer reviewed podcast. Um, which is in, I, I refuse to say it's dead, it's just in hiatus. It's on hiatus, it's, we'll be back. It's sleeping. We need, yeah. we need more, we need more Ig Nobel reviews at some point yeah, in the future. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be back when I have more time to do it. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes as well, like, occasionally there's a story so good where actually one of us will be like, hey Ben, we have to, like, do an yeah. episode for this because it's really cool. Um, mm. I mean, I actually have an idea for a show where in... I think part of the problem is is that a show like non-peer review takes a lot of input to to get the show going for people who've checked it out uh, it's a very it's a it's a magazine style show that has pre-planned content um for the most part um uh, the guests are mostly reacting but ben is definitely planning the content ahead of time i actually think there'd be a really cool idea for a show where instead what we do so that we don't have to do all that planning we do like a live stream but we just literally browse the internet for cool stories and just like talk about them on a more ad hoc basis. I think that would be pretty fun. You mean what I do for a Nobel review and be like, hmm, which one do I feel like talking about today? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think, or, I kind think of maybe, live, I think. I think there is a definite speed bump where Yahoo Answers, where I used to get a lot of my yeah. content from, is no longer available. Yahoo Answers yeah. is, is no more. So I have to find new sources of internet stupidity. Dumb questions. Cora's <laughs> quite good for that. Uh, yeah. If you've ever I been mean, on there. Yeah. Luckily, the internet is an endless source of stupidity. So I, I'm sure <laughs> I could find more if I went looking. And we are not talking yeah. about our current listeners. We are talking about just, just, just occasional stupid things that people say. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, none of you. None just of you. People, <laughs> people, people who frequent Yahoo Answers to ask questions about things that really, really... Anyway, yeah, go listen to non-peer review if you want to get into that stuff. You should. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting actually. That that actually is a nice link to a uh, question that we had from Paul, and he talks about where we often have these conversations that lead into these sort of science tangents. And I think the thing is, is that we initially, when we well, certainly when Ben conceptualized the show and when we were discussing it. We actually envisaged having a lot more hard science in the show. Yeah. But I, I think as we've gone on, the actual narrative aspect has 
made that take a big a bit of a back seat but at the same time if these discussions do come up um we try and embrace them at least a little bit because part of the the goal of this was to be educational and bring some science content into what's otherwise a very um fluffy genre i suppose i think the thing that we do bring that people maybe not kind of notice as being science as well is what is it to do research yeah because i mean i know mm. that you know everyone's you know thought bubble is like oh science facts that's science that's I, I need to know these little facts and that's kind of all i need it's like well no um i am quoted all over the internet in saying that science is a language it is a way of thinking and a way mm -hmm. of doing things and a way of processing information and by the very nature of the three main characters and a large number of the npcs being students or researchers or academics you're, there is a window into that it's just not mm. the window that we might initially think i mean my potential's entire research is about physics in a weird way but fantasy physics like it it's what it is and we're not taking that away we're just looking at it differently i think we 100 thought it was going to be like here's some fun facts that we know that we're putting in because we're smart and we're going to teach you something is not what it needs to be it needs to be something that's very different and I, I don't hate that yeah i think very early on it became as much a look at, into academia and university life as it did about my original thoughts about oh let's have uh, a, a monster made of sodium or something and he you know toss it in the water and it explodes it must have made a book that i can burn yeah, I think the second you gave me a book monster and I'd put it on fire was probably the end of, the, the end of that pretty quickly. <laughs> well... Can you, can you folks remember any times where we did have a bit of a science tangent, but it got edited out? I know from editing myself, I don't think I've ever completely removed a science tangent, but I've certainly truncated the discussion a little. We talked about whether or not ice is a rock for a long time. Yeah. We did. Like, that was a, a very in-depth discussion. People think that that discussion was long in the episode. It's, it's, it's not it, as long no. as we <laughs> had it for. Um, yeah. I think the only things that might... I don't know that they've been edited out so much as they've happened... There have been conversations that have happened outside of an episode being recorded. So... Mm. Things like, for example, Ben and I had a bit of a back and forth at one point about the physics of Find Familiar to try and work out what it would be in the context of the story. Mm -hmm. So we've nerded out differently about some of the science that's in the show, but without it ever hitting a cutting room floor, per se. Mm. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of sneaky science in there where, from a fantasy <laughs> point of view... Uh, I mean, not to give too much away, but, you know, a current recurring NPC adversary is certainly a a, a sort of large-scale look at the, the particular discipline of science and the discovery mm. process that goes along with that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Harold probably has the most hard science PhD in that it's actually... It's a very real-world analogue, of course, of... Um, Kepler and Tycho Brahe and um, 
so they're they're a complete they're an absolute badass um and they were very uh meticulous about the observations that they made of the planets which is obviously very similar to kegstone um and i suppose harold is actually more of a, a kepler in that they're the one that sort of might uh, take What's... those observations and turn them into theories of you know like planetary orbits and things like that um so whatever the male equivalent of a mary sue is ross being kepler um <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's pretty funny because uh, uh of course i i am a uh, as harold would call it a squishy uh in real life um i'm very much a biology person so it's actually one of the reasons that i wanted to do an astronomy phd in the show because it's always been a secondary passion of mine but uh never something i've looked at mm -hmm. sort of from an academic point of view just watching a lot of brian cox documentaries essentially mm. um who is obviously a, another big influence um on me as well so it's sort of you know one of those things um but it's kind of yeah it's kind of interesting how the show has changed a bit ben and i think you're probably the best person to ask about this because certainly the i think i guess you could call it like the timbre of the show you know the sort of the the feeling and the direction has really changed quite a bit since we started um i'm kind of curious how you view your original vision compared to sort of the, the trajectory that hmm. we're on now well i definitely think that we are well and truly zoomed in on the lives of these characters probably more than I thought we would be. Um, which is mm. not, not, a, not a criticism, it's more an observation that we are dealing with three people who are just starting their postgraduate careers. And as someone who, you know, I, I've done a, a master's, those first few months, I was so busy. So busy. And then everything starts to like blur into each other as you know my perception of of time changes from my memory and i think probably something similar may happen with the show where we start to have some some bigger time steps yeah it'll be interesting between, um, between i mean ben and i and ross and i at different points have had conversations about that um because i i know that for me i think having these first six weeks given how we set potential up in terms of not being from Ferramustus, not knowing anyone and her as a character. And Ben and I have much conversation. There are, I am a member of the 10,000 word backstory club. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's backstory coming out my ears. Um, I think having this be as, I guess, quote unquote, slow as it's been, has been really important because we can't speed up without certain things being built um, because you things have to natu feel natural especially in a world where we're talking about characters for, for some for some context other D&D groups that I have been involved with have had an adventure where the characters go off and they do something and then they return back to their regular lives and we don't play through the regular life we pick up a week or a month or however long it is until the next call for adventure happens and the next big event happens and so we in 
10-20 minutes recap what like oh what were we up to the past month oh i did this and i did that and then this happened and then off we go in the rest of the story which <laughs> sorry is, ben <laughs> no like that's, no. that's what's happening <laughs> you know it's it's a different environment to like stepping into uh, an academic you know a, a career in university doing a phd or doing whatever else you're doing um those first few weeks those first few months are very foundational very busy and they i think everyone who goes to university goes through a lot of changes very quickly in those first few months they you know first taste of freedom for many people as well like leaving high school getting to go to university and make your own decisions about oh when do i have lunch like i'm not being told no one to have lunch when do i study what when do i go and do whatever i'm doing i can call my professors by my first name oh my goodness the number of first years that i had that called me miss miss <laughs> like no no it's joked hi <laughs> well, that's also like that's part of the casual australian academic life i definitely know professors who are like yeah professor such and such or doctor whoever yeah that's very true yeah, it's it's interesting because um, obviously the three of you are all people with some form of research background. I did not do any research. All of my almost four degrees have been pretty heavily coursework focused. Um, so regardless of you know all of the times of going back on campus, this is not my world. This this uh, this particular landslide, this particular trajectory, is not the world that I've ever lived in. Uh, because I, because I haven't. That's not what my psychom, my two psychom degrees were like. That's not what my teaching degree is like. It's practical. It's coursework. It's bitsy. So I think we're all picking up different stuff along the way and trying to figure out how it all works. You know, I'm surprised one of us hasn't ended up on student union at this point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nah, literally. There, I think there's like a handful of PhD students in my experience who actually care about student union. Like, yeah, but someone's gonna be friends with poor Zeta, the the uh, head of the Postgraduate Students Association. I think I saw my student rep once, and then that was it. Like, I don't think I remember. I'm like best mates what, with nah. one of mine. Like, no, I got no, I got nothing. Yeah, I, I guess I had the benefit of going to. I did my postgraduate studies. I went to a university that had fifty percent postgraduate yeah. students so a big co cohort of postgraduate students so the postgraduate student reps were representing a big body so they were really active on campus mm. yeah bsa man it's good have mm. there been any like moments and this is kind of a question that paul had as well that are kind of a year on like your favorite or like memorable or even just like surprising that you weren't expecting in the early days Oh my goodness. Okay, I yeah, I have two. Go for it, Joe. Go for it. Okay. So first memorable moment was the squid appearing in the library. <laughs> Just like following us around, like squishing and yeah. Did we name yeah. the squid? Orion Orion. The yeah, of course we did. Yeah. Orion. They're all yeah, Orion. The... They're all Orion. All Orion. Yeah. Yeah. Um so meeting Orion as a squid for the first time was like chef's kiss. It was great. And the second, like Chef's kiss moment, I think, was um, was the uh, the rescue of um, the uh, the, mm. uh, the mascot costume. 
Yeah. Like the spider Cubie, Cubie the gelatinous cubes yeah, costume. Yeah, Cubie, that's right. We're like, shrank the, the costume and then like, scuttled out and then reinflated the costume. Like, oh. Why do I feel like Joe's gonna play a druid the next time she plays D&D? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm I'm so here for shenanigans and clever solutions. Like mascot madness, oh, especially was, was like a very classic hijinks laden peak D and D adventure. Oh, so good! And the kobold capers. Oh my gosh, I have so many favorite moments. Yeah, I think my favorite moments. Unfortunately, one of them is probably too recent to talk about necessarily. Uh, just because I don't want... It's not from the most recent arc, but it's from one of the more recent arcs. Um, and that is uh, when when Meredith did a thunder wave and didn't yeah. realise the consequences. Um, yes! I think, I think that's I probably think, far enough. I hated that so much. See, that's probably I, far yeah, enough. That was so okay, well, if that's what... Yeah, and... At least. And, uh, released. and it's yeah. more... Okay, yeah. an accident. Yeah, where she accidentally destroyed Potentia's familiar. I think Ugh, that still makes my my chest see, just go. And that's part of the reason I love it is because yeah. I knew that my that I like I and we had that conversation. I was like, I knew exactly where my familiar was. Joe didn't because we don't play with a board. We just it's all theater of the mind. Joe had missed that, which is totally fine and totally fair. And it was just one of those things where, like, sometimes actions have consequences in D&D and you yeah. don't necessarily know what they're going to be. And Joe, like, and Meredith wouldn't have necessarily realised that that's what was going to happen. She's very small. Well, also, she wouldn't have realised that that was what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So... Because she's also very inexperienced in the world. Yeah, so I think that... And it was, it's more down to, like, Joe's reaction as Meredith of, like, oh, crap! Um, yes. <laughs> which I think was great. And then I probably yeah. have to flashback to <laughs> to all of the cubes <laughs> in Oozcapades. Oh, the oozes! And, Su oh and Susie. <laughs> because, like, there's just something about, like, oh the way, so funny. like, us sitting and then just oh. them falling oh. and them going everywhere. My oozes! <laughs> um, like... <laughs> My oh, Uzus is just beautiful. My Uzus is the shirt that we have not yet created that I, I think know. we just need. Yeah. Like my Uzus. Um, it's like it's like the it's like the, the why can't I hold all these limes? But it's Susie with all the. But it's Uzus. Susie with all the Uzus, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, Dungeons and Doctorates from Debbie or from Susie Methuselah. My absolute favorite thing that's happened throughout the entire series is in the episode "Seeing Red." where without giving away too much, there was just a lot of information that came at the players and they just learnt a whole bunch of things and there was a really scary person in there as well. And I just got to the end of that episode and it felt like the most mic drop moment. And that just blew me away. I loved it so much. It was one of those things as well where I was really editing that episode. I was actually almost glad not to have been involved personally in it yeah. because experiencing that essentially Ooh. as an audience member was awesome mm -hmm. yeah. yeah the funny thing is is that we my... all lost it Hard. oh it was yeah. so good so, <laughs> so <laughs> one of my favorite moments uh didn't even make it into the final edit and it's because it resulted from a uh real life miscommunication of the events that were happening oh yeah. but 
because of that, in game, Harold got into this huge argument, and uh, that was kind of cool because this is a this is a side that people haven't seen of Harold, and it was like a real clash of values moment. But it got cut because it turned out that that whole thing was based on a misunderstanding of the events, and that once that got corrected, Harold's response couldn't be the same anymore. And so that just got completely cut from the episode. Um, right, you're saying that and not revealing what the moment was that was misunderstood. No, I mean, no. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's probably going to be an, a, a moment at some point in the future where we get to rehash some of those things. Yeah. Uh, but those I, I really enjoy, like those moments that are purely character driven moments. Um, you know, like the scene with Harold and Potentia um, when. Uh, when Potentia reveals her name to Harold, you know, that we we hadn't planned anything. We don't plan anything like that. You know, we just know, you know, like basically that we met a game in such a way where it's like us as players is like, oh, Ben's setting up a quest here where yeah. our characters may not necessarily always follow the quest, but because we're producing a show. We can I, see I the thought, hook. We're like, oh, you want us yeah. to... Pick, okay, we'll pick up the hook Our then. characters okay. follow the hook, right? Because <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a fun show otherwise. No. But our characters still react very organically to whatever happens subsequently. Um, well, and we that was of one of those for moments. That scene. We kind of asked for that scene because, like, I said that I was going to walk home. And I was like, but they need, we need to have a conversation on the way. Like, this is a thing that needs to happen. So we didn't produce it in that we didn't know what the scene was going to be. Mm. But a conversation needed to happen, which is the, as much metagaming as we kind of had in that moment. was like, no, no, we need to have a chat. <laughs> Can I just say it's hysterical to me that Meredith keeps on weaseling her way out of that purely by being Meredith? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have tried <laughs> yeah. so hard. I know. And I'm just like, I know. But she would go and take this person to the freaking hospital. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I've I'm said sorry, to Kate. I'm sorry, no, no. I see what you're doing. But... <laughs> I have I have said to Ben that like uh-huh. there is and I mean I'm not going to give anything away from that conversation to be clear but that there if you were looking at the friendships that exist their friendships between certain members of this party are stronger than others just by the nature yeah. of who they've been spending time with not because they're intentionally spending less time with anyone else or not having conversations with other people but by the nature of the adventure mm-hmm. people end up in situations where there's only one other person to talk to. We're not yep. intentionally being like, let's split the party. But like occasionally we split the party and that's what happens. Like yeah. I do it I do it all the time with the Adventurers Guild because she's not going. She doesn't want to be a member of the Adventurers Guild. Yeah. So she's not going there. Sorry. Like, <laughs> or if I'm going, I'm going because you're picking up a quest that already exists so that I can be like, cool, I'm coming, but I'm not... I'm not going to be here for long. Or I'm not going inside, or I'm not, like... Yeah. I'm not committing myself to that aspect, Mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, as a DM, Ben, you might have a bit of a different um, perspective on things, because you don't necessarily have the... Like, like Mm. we're always embodied within one character, but you have to think about multiple perspectives at once, essentially, as a a GM. So what's your favourite moment that's sort of happened... There are a few that come to mind. I had a lot of fun in the uh, spooktacular arc. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I remember very fondly 
playing Harold's mother and swooping oh Potentia across the floor. Uh, <laughs> that was God. really, that was a lot of fun. Definitely something I I enjoy. Like it's it was it was really fun to see Potentia, who is this very collected person. Yeah. Have barely to deal holding with it, mother. <laughs> barely holding it together as this powerhouse of a woman like carried you across the oh, the room. Um, I loved Cobalt Capers. That was a really fun like shift for me to try something really different and also to run like a whole story in a single episode. Yeah, that was really fun. And I think that worked really well. Um, I'm keen to, to go back and try something again with the kobolds and do another caper. I have a big else. long list of people who want to do kobold capers with us, Ben, because I've been yes. collecting humans. I have, yeah, a lot of very fun moments. I, I really enjoy, there are certain moments in episodes where I get to be like, ooh, this is going to be an excellent moment. Um, like the first time Harold reads the name of his like on this like the, the word on the sword mm. and, and you know that was a I think you did a great job as well with the ambient audio for that that episode that scene um I don't know I, I, I love getting to be like one on one with the characters like Lanwin and Meredith <laughs> talk, talking, like talking through a like the metallic crab. Like I, <laughs> I was holding up a, like a, a roll of, of paper, and I was talking through it to it get the get the sound effect. Yeah, we've had some really fun moments. Uh, I also enjoy you making a, me talk a, to Raymond. <laughs> I mean, there is. A, I love a good twist as well. Um, when the the golem showed up on top of the mountain. Yes. Uh, yeah, like that. That was that... actually really fun because yeah, that um, like that definitely elicited a. I think for the first time, like frustration as an emotion mm-hmm. from Harold. You know, like Harold's a very put together person i suppose because he he's sort of grown up around people who do well maybe not grown up around them but at least idolizes people who do extraordinary things so in his mind you should always be ready to jump into action but being faced with the golem for a, a second time after they they pretty almost beat it at the the first instance was definitely a moment of 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 yeah like a different emotion from harold and i, I think those actually end up being my my favorite moments and in fact paul kind of has a question along that lines of like has anything unexpected you know come out about your character in this time of playing and i suppose for me not especially and i think that's because i i i have such a strong idea of who harold is before we even played and that the trajectory that he's on is going to take time um, you know, like you'll notice there are little things in the show where, um, uh, this will come out after, so I can talk about this. So, you know, recently we have a transaction with another, um, wealthy person 
and the fact that the fact that they have a servant and that he offers them money is just completely lost on Harold. But my aim for his character is to grow, and obviously those are the kind of things that uh, at the moment are still part of his character. You know that he just he forgets about the wealth because he's grown up with it, and so when he arrives and there's a servant and that he's offered money up front, you know he he does it doesn't occur to him to count it. To him, it's a gentleman's agreement. You said that you said there'd be that much money. Why wouldn't there be that much money? You know, who who on earth would try and swindle you? It, it, you know, he doesn't have those world experiences to draw upon. And that's why, obviously, having Meredith as a character along the way is actually a really nice pairing because the two of them have such opposite experiences when it comes to society that, um, you know, hopefully they can teach each other something along the way. Yeah, um... I don't think we've gotten a lot of unexpected stuff out of potential, really, unless there's anything that anyone can think of. Um, because I think, because she is a pri- relatively private person, um, for reasons that will slowly become, I'm sure Ben has some plans on walloping me with some stuff that will cause some stuff to come out, and he's smirking now, and I hate it. Um, like I'm sure because he knows that I have this massive backstory that I can draw on to just have fun with um and there is something coming up that will not be out at time of recording that happens on the current adventure where she uses a name for something um for a purpose that is probably the closest that we get to revealing anything but in saying that Early think, on, we did have the the mystery of Potential's last name. Yeah, but we still don't... That's not been super delved into the why of that, because mm. the person that would logically ask those questions isn't Harold. Because yeah. Harold will, as a person from a certain type of society, know the answer to that question and therefore does not necessarily need to ask the mm-hmm. questions that might mm-hmm. lead us to more information. Um, I guess the only thing that we kind of got... I think we've had it already. We've had, have we had Potentia's apartment? Yes. Yeah. We've had Potentia's I think that's probably the only thing that like might be the thing that would surprise people. And it was very specifically designed that way um, because it is to look different than the world that we're currently sitting in mm. because she's not from there. Yeah. I mean, potential is it? You have a is it a beanbag chair? Is the thing you sit on? And, and do you? I just said. I think I just said a chair, but I don't remember exactly. But like it, you know, when it's the whatever the equivalent of Swedish self-assembled furniture is <laughs> uh, to to this world, yeah, you know, yeah. um, that's a very specific look that comes into people's brains, and you know, it's not the same as what we saw in Harold's, yeah, um, yeah. Harold's place. It's not the same as what we what we've seen in. The um when you went the and, colleges and when you went and uh, checked out Gore's place his share house yeah uh, which I which I currently refer to as uh, Gore's frat house which is not necessarily accurate but feels appropriately um appropriate well it it feels like the kinds of houses that all my mates had when we were at uni so I'm like yeah mm. ugh, gross uh, but is the again the counterpoint to what you would expect for a potential I don't know that if she lived like that I don't think you'd expect that that would be weird and and not right so what about meredith though joe oh look meredith is probably i don't know 
like I think you guys and I have taken a very very different approach to character creation and I think that it makes sense for her in a weird sort of way because she is very like she lives in the moment and she kind of just goes with the flow so like a lot of her character background has been kind of revealed to me through playing her you know like I, I knew I wanted to do something a bit different with like she wasn't going to be a scientist but um I don't think her reasoning for that was as well thought out as yours if that makes any sense so that kind of came in like I don't know I kind of figured that out as I went along so the fact that I kind she's of, a doctor I kind of, kind of expect, surprised me a bit. I kind of expect at some point that Joe is just going to have inspiration and then I will receive a thousand, two thousand word document being like, I've come up with backstory. Uh, yeah, much. it's all in my head at the moment. I really do need to just sit down and write it write it out. But like the more I play her, the more I get, I get to know her as well, which is really kind of fun. Is there anything that you've found for yourself about her in playing her that you've been like, that's a cool thing I didn't realize I was doing, but I'm doing and is now a thing? I can't think of anything specific i think her obsession with food just kind of grew <laughs> pretty organically I love, yeah i mean i never set out to make a, a hobbit stereotype she kind of just like appeared <laughs> there's that and fun really fact fun. about D and hobbits and yeah I mean, it, the names it, and... it was also i think an excuse for joe to eat while we recorded <laughs> yes it really was a hundred percent i always have snacks with me um yeah. and that's been yeah so the, the food thing just kind of like sprung up out of that a little bit as well. Because um, I, the thing that surprised me, I guess not surprised because like it shouldn't be a surprise, was her reaction to Landwin. I was like, hmm, that's a different reaction than what I thought it was going to be, but also <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very much a, that's a Joe reaction to that kind yeah, of situation. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I find it very hard to separate Joe from Meredith sometimes so <laughs> you guys are getting all sorts of insight into my head um yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how how much I keep learning about her I think yeah yeah and I think there is something liberating actually about having a character that is just evolving constantly oh it's great um, you know I I really enjoyed the one shot that we had with the Hit Dice Heroes. And the interesting thing about Klaus is that I didn't know really, because it was a one shot, um, I didn't put too much thought into him. And there, there's this moment, and I think I even vocalized it in the one shot, where I just was discovering Klaus as I was playing him. And I think there was this one moment where I was like, wow, like Klaus is a really uptight person. And I hadn't built that into him or anything, but just in playing him, I was like, oh, he he's a little stuffy. You know, um, and uh, I'm hoping to play him again uh, at some point because he was a lot of fun. Um, but I suppose, actually, um, we we did get a chance through one shots to play other characters. I mean, Kate, you've actually gotten to play the most characters, uh, but also obviously we all had our kobolds. Um, so obviously would you like to play those characters again like i know personally that i had yes. a lot of characterization for squeak that just because of the particular situations we were in uh never really came to be and i think we'll have to tell more stories to really see the most out of of squeak for instance 
the question there of um, do I want to play a character that I've pigeonholed into saying a single word with various different expressions again? Yes. Yes, I do. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, please. Yes. Let's do more sweet, more snake. Thank more you. Snake. Um, I think for me, I liked the kobold caper, but I think I would create a different kobold for that because I think knowing the dynamics of the others there's something missing that I think a different character would feel better than Rumble could um, based on how I built that character um, which is totally fine it's that's that's how D&D works sometimes you're like ah this character does not fit in this party at all um, but I would play Trillis again in a heartbeat yeah. I'm sorry I, I I got the thing I wanted out of that campaign which was exploding uh-huh. flops yeah and now I'd get the opportunity to like do some cool stuff with that because I do typically play um I mean Pact to the Wild Magic Barbarian I guess technically falls into a magic user because they do use wild magic but but like I typically play I play a bard I play a wizard I play these magical characters because that's what I do it's what um I mean I'm, I'm a bard main but I play wizard the most which is a really odd really odd spot to be in uh, but I don't know that I get to play people what hit stuff very often. <laughs> so mm. that idea of playing um, a, a, a tiny forest gnome who hulks out and hits things, it's just dumb fun. And there's so much more fun to be had, I think, in that wild magic table for when you rage, random stuff happens. Um, that I think she would be entertaining. I'd love to see like her and Gore just having a day <gasps> at the Barbarian Society. Like, yes. I mean, they're the counterpoint to each other, really, because he's he's himbo in every glory, and I love it. Yeah, but, like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, what would she, Gore, Michael, and some other barbarians do at like the Barbarian Society camp? I don't know, for like a week. Like, what would it be? Because it'd be... And Ben's like, God damn it, Kate, that's a brilliant idea and we're going to do it now. Let's keep going. Um, (laughs) He's not here. I know. But like, you know, I'd love to see some of these characters we've created back in the world again. Like, we saw Susie come back. And I've said, like, I've said to Ben, I'm like, there are days where I'm like, look, you could easily have Meredith and Harold go and meet up with Trillis and I just play Trillis for a session. Like, that's fine. I don't care. I'm happy to play multiple characters in a world and I will actively try and separate accents because I can jump around. That's, I'm an improv kid. Like, that's what I do. Yeah. So, I think from a production point of view, um, as we go forward, because of the necessities of university life, you know, at some point, these characters that we're playing have to do their PhD. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Yeah. And so I think there are going to be times where we 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 give ourselves a narrative time jump by telling other stories within this this podcast feed that are still part of the world that you all love hopefully. Um and I certainly have uh, a series upcoming that that is going to explore some characters that you know and some that you don't. Um I'm in conversations also, with some people about getting some cool like collab stuff going for us because it yeah. would be great. And obviously, like we loved having Debbie on the show, you know, and I'd love to get Debbie to come back on a, a more regular basis for us as well. And I think there's a lot of um, people that we've already interacted with and people we're yet to interact with that yeah. uh, we're going to see. 
I mean, um, Kira, Lee, Kira Lee's kobold was my favorite thing oh in the world. Oh my gosh. And Amazing. then Mac, like I have deliberately brought Mac back into the world. I'm like, no, Mac runs the coffee shop that Potentia yes. goes to. Like you have to understand yeah. that like they're friends yeah. for forever now. So and good. I think that's one of the things is that, you know, one of the, I suppose the most surprising things for me going into this was that I never expected to want to grow the show as much as I do. I, I really expected to turn up and participate and have a lot of fun. But <laughs> there's there's been a lot of things that I've wanted to um, achieve through the, the venue that we've got now. Uh, and this is kind of, there's kind of a, a couple of interesting questions from Roy the Snake that sort of allude to these kind of things. So. One of the things he was uh, asking about is kind of a production question, and it's mostly for Ben. And he was asking, have you considered bringing on uh, another cast member for NPCs so that Ben doesn't have to carry both the storyteller and multiple character roles? Um, there's another show that he listens to or they listen to that does this. Dragon Prince. Um, mm-hmm. uh, possibly. Um, there's Probably. this one called Awful Neutral as well. Oh, um, yeah. But, I mean, Ben, what, I mean, what is your take on that? Because I certainly know my yeah i i would be open to it definitely um they would need to be there for a narrative reason which is tricky because i then need to impart the information they need to know about the world into them beforehand which can be tricky with you know oh you need to know these things but also separating character knowledge from player knowledge and you know bringing in a new person into a group that already has a dynamic can be tricky um but yeah i'm definitely like open to the idea of doing it and i i think the three of us the four of us have some some people in mind that we want to invite i think there's also a, a trick that certainly something i've noticed with podcasts and shows that do have uh, separate NPC voices is that you kind of need to not know where you want the story to go or for how long you want the story to go. It needs to be a bigger, broader, less linear thing. Whereas I think a really good example would be like the underlibrary. We knew, like we didn't know what was going to happen, mm. but Ben knew who the big bad was. We knew roughly how many like levels of the library we had. There's not a lot of room in that for someone to voice mm. NPCs that could take you on a tangent that mm. isn't going to work for a podcast that gets chopped to 45 minute episodes yeah. like it's yeah yeah i think this production uh the the dungeons and doctorates production um doesn't lend itself amazingly well to sort of outside NPCs um consistently uh, yeah yeah. yeah, and I, I think it's just the style of the show in that we are a very traditional D&D production, and that's Dungeons and Doctorates. Now, under the umbrella of sort of, you know, the the Furimastus canon, I think there is definitely scope mm. for something like that. And, and I'll answer Roy the Snake's second question with that, because they've asked, are there any plans to do a one-shot origin episode to flesh out characters' backstories? <laughs> Uh, I imagine potentially being part of a ragtag group of government agents looting village in fantasy Wakanda type thing. Uh, Meredith goes on a time travel adventure in a wardrobe of holding with her trusty Warforged <laughs> pet. <laughs> yes, just, I just want to see that. That's fine. That's completely yeah. separate. I would yes. uh, And so my answer to that is 
Yes. Uh, I have been thinking about this for a very long time. <laughs> uh, what I would like to do is... Um, I would like to get good enough for animation where we can actually produce a somewhat scripted episode, maybe 20 to 30 minutes, where we, we obviously we have to work together, but we would bring in other voices for NPCs. It would mm. be more traditional, and the, but the story may be informed by an unaired one-shot so that the, the events are a little more true to the character, but there are a lot of different mediums that I would love to conquer and, and you know, little animated sort of content is one of them. Uh, one, one of the things holding us back from that is collaborators, I suppose, because it takes a lot of time to make this stuff and, and I, I'm not a character artist. Uh, I, can, I can sync audio, I can animate things, but I'm not a character artist and I, I would need a character artist to come on board to create the assets I think that we would need but I love the idea of doing a radio play style thing where it's not so much of an actual play but a sort of retelling and apparently they're really popular in Japan uh, I didn't realize this but yeah I think the other thing that people have to be aware of with that stuff is that like we are not paid to no. do this yeah. we are four people doing this in our own time yeah uh the money we make from merch that people have very kindly paid for uh, goes basically straight back into hosting fees. That's kind of it. In fact, not... currently, all of the money that we have made on merch actually went to paying an artist for yeah, the artwork. For the artwork. Uh, because for, obviously yeah. that's something that we sort of wanted we to do. In. We wanted yeah. to commission a young artist uh, to, to, to make some artwork for us. Um because we're creative people and we we wanted to support other creative people as well um but yeah like, i mean you might have noticed even production wise you know the, for the for the sort of first six months there were a lot of little extra elements that i was playing with um i i i for real i'm doing a phd now yeah. uh, again which i wasn't at the start um, and now I just don't have the time every week to like create the atmosphere and the sound effects that I was sort of enjoying putting in. Uh, and, and there are occasional moments where I still try and do it. Like Ben and I will often say, oh, it'd be cool if we could do this. And like, um, you know, you'll have heard the mirror episode recently. Uh, that was definitely a scene that I, I paid a lot of attention to. But previously I was trying to give that much attention to all of the episodes you know like if you listen to the wandering mountain arc i really put a lot of effort into creating yeah. atmospheres and sound effects and and a really try and create an immersive experience but i just don't have the time now that i'm a full-time phd student as well um so I, I suppose the thing is you know if you're a creative person and you want to be involved you know there, there's no closed club here like we are no. We like collaborating, so if you think you're creative and could add something to the show, you know, come forward. The, the worst thing that will happen is we'll say thank you, but no thank you. Um, but you, we might keep that in mind for the future. But yeah, we're definitely, um, there are definitely plans for like stories beyond the sort of the, the three main characters that you're sort of listening to now. Uh, and I, I think that the... The, the, I mean, all right, I'll give away a little bit. I will be DMing the new show uh, 
for a, a new group of characters and uh, I'm really excited because we'll be delving into the past a little bit. Which oh, is nice. you jerk! <laughs> uh, for context, there is precisely one other person outside of this podcast, I think, that 100% knows about these characters or any of these yeah. characters because I got some pretty, I bought some pretty, pretty dice for my for that character for that thing that Ross is talking about and and she drew me character out of my character which, which is we can super see cute which everyone else can see and when you know we'll when get and released if that ever goes soon. yeah I will mm. I will release it if it uh, if it ever goes uh, when when yeah. the episodes start going up but like that I'm like that's cool and and I got cool new dice but like <laughs> you yeah. know there's there is stuff in the pipes please do not think that there is not because we're yeah. looking forward to it yeah yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's going to be like some visual elements to the this new one. Not too much, but there's going to be probably these are going to go on YouTube as well because uh, I, I have plans for uh, exciting new uh, things that D&D and TTRPGs <laughs> have access to in the past six months. So that's pretty fun. Um, so I guess one of the other questions is talking about all these different characters is that we have actually gotten to meet quite a few NPCs now. And obviously Gore was a very early favorite because we met Gore, I think in literally the first episode. Yep. Like in the first uh, like 20 minutes after we met us. Yeah. <laughs> Probably by the magic of editing, but still it very much, we met Gore in the first published episode. Uh, and obviously he was a, an early favorite. Has anyone else come in to like dethrone Gore? Susie. Um, Susie. Yeah. 100%. Susie. Susie. <laughs> um, I, I have, I mean, I will forever have a soft spot for Raffi, but like Potentia has a relationship with Raffi, so I get to have Raffi time. Like it's, it's, it's a very different thing. And Michael too. I have a soft spot for Michael. Potentia does not have a soft spot for Michael. Potentia shouldn't have a soft spot for Michael for many reasons. I like Michael. Michael's good. Yeah, I do too. Like, I, I definitely have him and really enjoyed the way Michael has evolved. You know, he was he was very um, when we first meet him. Like in real life, you don't really know enough about a person to like see them more than a two D image, uh, if that makes sense as like a metaphor. You know, like most people you meet are two D caricatures of people, and Michael was certainly that upon first glance. He was the the, the sort of overzealous wanting to be like you know the the city guard and it's all a bit like um it's it, like i know i have that person in my head exactly but michael obviously the more you get to know a person like anyone uh evolved and became a lot more interesting and certainly you know the uh the mascot madness arc getting as characters to actually really spend some time with michael and like see different aspects of his personality was really fun and often those are my favorite things that we do um we got to spend a lot of time with both michael and gore in that arc and it was it was really fun um i think similarly i've really enjoyed uh the evolution of raffi as well um <laughs> And, and I oh, think Raffi, Raffi and the dinosaur. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's the thing, right? Like my oh, my right. feelings towards Raffi as a player are a little different to my feelings towards Raffi as as Harold. as Harold. But I I have two different axes of enjoying interactions with Raffi because of that. 
And that's been a lot of fun for me, actually, is the, the dichotomy between my own thoughts and sort of Harold's opinions, which are quite different, I think. Raffi, you're a rogue who can't rogue. What? <laughs> <laughs> Poor boy. Uh, and Bonin, obviously. I mean, Bonin the librarian, the best and worst joke Ben has ever made oh, on this podcast. <laughs> like... So great, right? Um, what about you, Ben? Do you have... Do you have any favourites that you like playing that maybe we don't... Hmm. Like, obviously, like, obviously, Gore is just a lot of fun to play. This, this... He's a delight. Gore is lots of fun. Uh, Lanwin I was going to say Lanwin's one of my favourites. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's just so wholesome. And, I know. And... You got stuck inside voice. a giant crab, Ben. She just thinks crabs are cool. <laughs> just, oh. he just, he, just I so just think great. they're neat. Aldwin, Ethan. Oh my god, sorry. Yeah, Aldwin, <laughs> Ethan. Uh, I'm not sure I enjoy playing that because some of those moments yeah. get too close to home when, when it comes to like my own history. I love it. I love it so much. It's like my favorite thing is to just watch Joe's face going like, "Oh crap," and yeah. Ben being like, "I am being overzealous." <laughs> it's the best. <sighs> yeah. Um, uh. I I think I I enjoy sometimes like. I enjoyed being Harold's younger sister. That was fun. Where's my belt? Um. <laughs> yeah, and I actually think she's one of the characters I would like to see interact with the group at some point. I think it would be a lot of fun. I think the sibling aspect would be very entertaining because obviously they're the youngest too, which is always the most like the the. I mean, I I didn't I didn't grow up in a, a large family, you know. I'm I'm a a doublet, as it were, you know. Um, I I have a, a not very younger sister, so we're quite close in age. Um, but I my best friend was a one of five, and so I'm very aware of the dynamics in the family that go on in in a situation like that. And the 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 relationship between the two youngest is always the most it's always the most fraught, but also often the closest. I find. Uh, when I sort of interact with people who are from families like that. And I think that dynamic would be very interesting uh, between Harold, uh, obviously, and, and Martha, but... Mr. Red. I love playing Mr. Red. Oh, I hated him that's, so that's much. That's totally fair. Yeah, that's totally he was fair. Great. I loved playing off, off, off of you when you were Raymond, as I said before. Um mm. Mostly because I think all of us in this chat were like, oh, we hate him. But yeah. <laughs> like, but we all hated him for very different reasons. Mm. But yet you were still willing to play those reasons so yeah. that we could all hate him yeah. together. Hate and I think the funny thing is, is that the <sighs> reasons that I personally would dislike him are different to the reasons that Harold dislikes him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean to be uh, fair, the reasons I dislike him are different to the reasons Potentia would know to dislike him, too. So that's also fun. And I think those are the moments that I enjoyed the most when there's a clear separation in my head between my own sort of opinions and thoughts and what my character's opinions and thoughts would be. And sometimes they're the same but arrived at differently, and sometimes they're not the same. And I think that 
is the most fun from a role-playing point of view, uh, for sure. Mm. So, I was just going to very quickly say, I also love Haldora because I love mm. that there is someone that we don't know enough about and yet is right there and I could find out things about. Or Meredith could go have chats too because they live in the same flipping building. Haldora mm. would not be friends with Meredith. No, but Meredith <laughs> would try really hard. <laughs> like... She, her floor fell through. Like, Meredith isn't going to try and kill an elf. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. That... I, I don't think those would have been successful no. attempts. <laughs> <laughs> knowing, knowing what I know, yeah, knowing knowing Haldora, no. No, yeah. Like, I, I, I picture Meredith being there with, like, a plate with with muffins and being like, I heard you had a rough day, and she would just walk right past you. Oh, hundred percent. Maybe <laughs> just opens the door to muffins, closes the door without a word. Like, I mean, she might oh. she open the door to muffins, take muffin, close door, and like. No. But I, well, there was a, was a, okay. I think Meredith would just then resort to leaving baked goods on her doorstep. Then. There you go. Yeah. But like, I love my office mates. I think that there's some really interesting dynamics there that we haven't really got to do a lot with which is fine like mm. i i'm happy with that as it is but well i feel like we're about to potentially with the latest uh uh you know with the with what happened in the latest talk there'll be some conversations for sure so i think that'll be interesting as well so well let's finish off with this because literally multiple people have submitted essentially the same question what the what on earth are the rules for mugby <laughs> Ben, Ben, don't answer. Write them up and we'll put them on the wiki and people can go and find them at dndoctorates.com once they've been written yes. up. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll do that. Yes. Cool, there will there be a... There, I, will, I will make sure that there is a, a post made to social media oh, when it goes up. Thank you so much. For the rules of Mugby. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, well done. Well done, people, because we don't know. Oh. Like, we were, yeah. we were at the match and we don't yeah. know the rules of Mugby. <laughs> Oh, we were too busy trying to pretend to be good fighting people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, folks, that is going to wrap it up for this one-year anniversary special edition of uh, The Common Room. We'll be back with another Common Room actually fairly soon because it's been a little while since we did the normal sort of talking about the the show show part so uh we have a few arcs to talk about and quite a few things have happened so it's going to be an interesting one i think yes but Lots happy of, birthday to reveal. us Woo! Yeah. i would sing happy birthday but you know we'll get copyright struck and no, so we don't. Not I anymore. Won't do that. it's public domain now oh interesting I'm still not risking <laughs> copyright strategies, things. Um, yeah. But yeah. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Common Room, and we will see you very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.